Hello, Kofkin Bond listeners, and welcome to podcast three again with Tony and Jamie. Today, Jamie, Jamie, I'm actually really thrilled to know there's not just you and I listening to the podcast. We've had some really great feedback once again. So, first, thank you for that feedback. We're, we'll continue coming in, please. We're slowly building. We're in the tens, I reckon. Now, hopefully, we, we get over the hundreds. <laughs> I just haven't worked out how to be a follower on Spotify. Yeah, I listen to Spotify all the time. So. I'm, ho- I'm hoping my Twitter handle just keeps building. If you want to hear about me and what I do, just follow me there. <laughs> All right, Tony, um, today we'll talk about, I guess, goal setting and the way it's used within our business, but the way it's used also with our clients. So we're going to sort of link it back to last week and habits, but um, really talking about goal setting within our lives and also, I guess, within our financial plans with clients. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll link it back to last week when you were talking about the compound effect. Um, how do you sort of match that with goal setting? Um, well, first of all, I suppose when we touched on one of the, I, I made a comment last week, I think, about the US stock market and through all its bubbles and uh, crashes and bear markets and, um, you know, um, bull markets, etc. You know, if you invested $1,000, which is equivalent of about 100 grand today, uh, 145 years ago when the US market started, it's actually only average just over a 7% return compound every year for the you know last 145 years, you know, booms and busts. So when you take that into consideration, 7% on $1,000 is only $70. And it's, as I mentioned last time, it's minuscule. But over the space of 145 years, that's turned into nearly $1.5 billion. Yep. And that's that compound effect. So when we're talking about the compound effect and goals is one of the problems that I think clients have is trying to visualize that goal so you're under the age of 30 I won't give away your age but you're still under the age of 30 um, and the idea of retirement for you is so far away I was, I was thinking next year um, but <laughs> which is so far yeah. away <laughs> so it's, uh, it's like oh, I don't have to wait that yeah, long <laughs> so you're in the era of instant gratification, Jamie. That's <laughs> so, right. I want it now. So, yeah, but but basically, it's a case of that. What's that going to envision? How's that going to look for you? So, it's and one of the one of the problems that I, I find is people say, "I want to retire for hundred thousand dollars a year." Yeah. And when we retire nowadays, I mean, if you think back when the age pension was brought into Australia, age sixty-five was the average Australian male only lived to age sixty-seven. So realistically the age pension was a congratulations we can't believe you made it we'll help you out for a couple of years and they didn't have things like super compulsory superannuation things like back back then either so it's and in the era of manual labor that's you know quite quite a lot yeah but nowadays it's a case of we can live for 30 years in retirement plus you know so someone someone born today will most likely live to triple figures in excess of 100 so if they're planning on retiring at age 60, that's nearly half their lifetime, 40% of their lifetime spent in retirement, spent on living off their own, what they've actually built for themselves yeah. um, or inherited in that case. But it really comes down to that compound effect of saying $100,000, what is that going, life size that going to give you? And then what do you actually have to do or even give up or sacrifice today to make sure you have that lifestyle and are you willing to sacrifice that today? In other words, sacrifice your lifestyle today or partially of your lifestyle today 
to actually achieve that in retirement. Yeah, you, well. you you were discussing vision just before there and, and goal setting and, and I sort of touched on that. You know, a lot of people just come up with a figure in their head um, yeah. and it's actually a question that a lot of people don't think about, but when you sort of put them on the spot, it's always a very nice, clean figure. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot seem to be around that 100,000 and a lot of the time they actually don't know why. So with that vision, I guess, we'll touch back on Josh's portfolio again last week or anyone's portfolio that's just starting yeah. out, but he has a vision in his head now of what he wants to achieve. Um, what is that, and, and how's he sort of got to that point? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot easier now. Uh, those of you who don't know Josh, a lot of you might have spoken to him on the phone. Uh, he's 20, 22 years old, twenty three this November, yep. um, and he's been working here for a year and a half now. Absolutely loves the industry, and he has gone and done what he's seen all of our clients have got done, and he's gone and saved a bunch of money and he's invested it into the markets and he's gone and borrowed funds against that as well and invested that on top of with his goal every year of paying down that debt back to zero on an annual basis. Now to do that, the first thing he had to do is what am I going to sacrifice today? Uh, So for example, he just went on an overseas holiday uh, with his friend. He's realised that you don't have to stay in the best hotels, uh, especially when it's not being paid for by mum and dad. Um, But basically it was a case of that for him to pay that debt down, those borrowed funds down over 12 months, what what has to be sacrificed today in his budget. So that's the first thing that he's actually done. So what that debt has actually created for him is forced savings. Yep. So it's same as if you buy a house with a mortgage. Paying off that mortgage over 25 years is forced savings. And so his goal, though, is not to say, isn't it nice that I can go and save 40, 50, 60, 70, $100,000 over a space of a few years. His goal and his vision is, what am I actually going to do with that money? Because otherwise it's just saving. And that's not fun. But knowing what the end goal is, it's like training for a triathlon. That date of that race might be, you know, the 1st of April. If you're not ready for it, you can't go and ring the organisers and say, listen, can you put it back two weeks? And it's the same with his financial goals. So his financial goals, his vision uh, is based on he wants to buy a property. He want, and he doesn't want to be forced out of the market. So he's saving now and he's sacrificing part of his lifestyle today to be able to achieve that vision. There's no fun in having any sacrifice whatsoever if it's not for a vision, if it's not for a goal. So his vision is to be able to, in five years' time, be able to go and pay a really healthy deposit on his first property with the stamp duty. In today's, he wouldn't have to pay that, but in the future, you never know. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's a case of that. That's his vision. And because he has that vision, the sacrifice that he makes every day is far easier to actually do because he wants that property. Yeah, well, I guess if his saving goes really well and he's pushing that million-dollar mark, then he'll be paying stamp duty. But there's obviously the concessions for first-home buyers. But yeah. um, with that goal setting, I guess a big thing as well with the clients, in, and that's what where the reviews come in with us, is that the goals are always going to be changing. They're, Absolutely. Then they're, they're not going to, you know, the goalposts are going to shift and they're yeah. not just going to stay there. And I think just life throws you up curveballs all the time, I guess, you know. People can fall pregnant at unexpected times and then, you know, their insurance lives are going to change and it, it's going to be, you know, very different for them. And, and they need to be they need to be ready to change goals and change that vision because I don't think it's ever going to be smooth sailing to where people want to get. I think there's a little cartoon character, uh, like, drawing out there where you can see that, you know, your goal might be here, but there's cliffs, there's drop-offs, there's, you know, 
there's life expectancies that are going to happen. Um, never goes in a straight line. No, never ever goes in a straight line. And Josh is the classic that never goes in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, for me. Yeah. So I guess how do we help our clients with that shifting goal? And what's the conversations that we have with them to, to get them prepared that, you know, they might have a retirement goal, but, you know, I, I guess even things that can happen, they might claim on their insurance, which we hope never happens, but, you know, things do change. Yeah, I think... It's interesting you actually raised that, Jamie. We've got a client who's been a client of ours for 10 years and he's become a very close friend of mine during that period of time. And he has recently um, undergone, in the last four months uh, now, two operations for brain cancer. He's my age. He's two months younger than me. And to his goal was never to claim on his insurances, to never have a claim. Um, he has now had all those claims paid, so we're sitting down with his family next uh, Thursday and actually reassessing now what all those goals are. Now, thankfully, due to the insurances, they're in the, uh, neither uh, him or his wife will have to work ever again. Yeah. And, and the goal for him is, his goal is to, he said to me, he wants to do a triathlon. I said, we're going to start in swimming. Um, he's now, he said his vision is very different than he's working 12 hours a day. Um, and sometimes six days a week on that basis. And we're now sitting down with uh, him and his wife, who she's absolutely beautiful person and saying, let's reassess this. And the first thing we reassessed is, is, you know, to his wife, stop work. Yep. You know, it's time for you to stop work now. Uh, he's got his income protection coming in. You've got your lump sum payments. Uh, you've no, no longer got a mortgage. You've got a lovely house. You've got your family living with you. You've just married your two kids off. It's now time for you guys to work on his rehabilitation and quality of life. So we are throwing curveballs, but that's the classic example of the goals that we set together 10 years ago have now been totally reassessed and changed as a result. And they're not always negative changes into the goals or visions. I yeah. guess, you know, some people we've had their retirement planning is to sort of just, you know, pay off their mortgage and live happily ever after, but yeah. then they can they can change and become young again and, you know, want to travel the world and, and that's their vision. And obviously spending is going to be a lot larger if they're sort of travelling the world, but it can be a positive change in goal setting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that if you have a look at, say, as you know, we, we do a lot of work in the US and if you have a look at the US compared to Australia, where the US have got that fourth intergenerational wealth transfer now, and it's usually the third generation that lose it all, first build it, second uh, work on it and enjoy it, and the third just blow it, they're going into their fourth intergenerational wealth transfer, and, and we know of some very successful stories there. Australia's only just going into its first. Yeah. And once upon a time, it was a case of, no, I'm saving all my money for retirement, and I want to make sure that I've got this, for my, you know, this left over for my, for my kids when I, when I die. And my thought process is, you know, being, having both, uh, you know, what my father passed away nearly two and a half years ago, uh, my mum's uh, still with us, and but it's more of a case of enjoy life. Don't leave anything for myself and my sister. You yeah. know, so go out there and enjoy it because they've given us the opportunity to do stuff ourselves. And if we're too lazy to get off our butts, you know, so e even in my case, it's a, um, you know, if I if I leave the earth 
you know, 50 years before planned, uh, my kids still can't touch anything until they're 35. No, they, no fast cars. No, <laughs> they, they buy it themselves. They, they can't touch anything until they're 35. They need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So I think when it comes to the planning, what I always say to people is that if you're in a fortunate position where you can retire early, say at age 60, and know that that money will last for 30 years, just remember for the first 10 years of your retirement, you're going to be able to enjoy that money far more than what you will in the last 10 years of your retirement. So in those first 10 years of retirement, go on the overseas holiday, go on the eight weeks holiday every year. Your kids are adults. They're not going to miss you. They only yeah. see you once every three weeks anyway. So it's um, go on the eight week holiday, enjoy it. That's, that's the idea of it. So for the first 10 years, whilst you can both physically and mentally enjoy it, do so. If you want to help your kids out with their grandkids' education, do it. That's fine. But don't sacrifice your first part of your retirement for the sake of helping your children. Let them enjoy what is left and the legacy that you leave them 30 years after you go. So as I say to my kids, you know, if you're planning on retirement on what I leave you, uh, you're not you're not going to be inheriting anything until you're 70 because I'm lasting until I'm 100. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, so. and to the boring side of that, I guess, well, not really boring, but people need to start planning for that as well. And we're talking about that intergenerational wealth transfer you know, getting your estate planning in order so that you know what's going to happen afterwards. Because there's been Absolutely. there's been cases where I guess lately we've been referred some clients and it hasn't been clear cut. And you know, you could come from a very tight family, but when it comes to money, things change, and, and well, you're not there to control the, it. Yeah, we've got one at the moment where the father drafted a will but hadn't signed it, and he passed away uh, at the age of 59. He's left his two daughters, um, one who is handicapped. Um, with no will and uh, and there's there's uh, family issues and things like that and everyone's saying well what do we do and it's a sizable estate so he had good intentions yeah but those intentions can't be followed through now that by virtue of what his intentions were because it now has to go through the law of intestate so i mean the good thing is is the two sisters are very close and and, and that works well so that'll work out but had another one referred to us yesterday from an accountant and she rang and uh, same scenario. Dad had well. Dad has stage four lung cancer. Uh, his wife passed away years ago. Three sons. Um, one of them they don't talk to. Uh, the one is uh, one is intellectually challenged and handicapped. He's on their lifelong disability pension. And then there's these. And just a little simple thing is the father's got all the right intentions, which will happen. But by us re-changing it now and working in with his solicitor now, it's going to save that estate nearly $600,000 worth of unnecessary taxes if it was just paid out the way he's got it structured now. Yeah. And what's interesting in this case is the father has sat down with the funeral directors and planned his own funeral and has paid for it in advance, but he hadn't had his estate in order. Yeah. So and th- And that's the part where reach out because his plans were not to pass away early of stage four lung cancer but he is leaving a really sizable estate to his children why give money to the tax office that you don't have to by law 
Yeah, and I think there, there's those challenges that people don't understand sometimes and, and it's good to come in and we can raise those for yeah. them. Um, it's just questions that we can ask and things that people haven't considered that, yeah, it just comes out of the ordinary. Oh, yeah, listen, if, you know, I, I have no intentions to ever claim on my insurance and that has nothing to do with my goals. My insur- an insurance claim has nothing to do with my goals whatsoever. It's not even there. Yeah. Uh, I pay for the premiums every month and the sizable premiums, but they're there for as a safety net and that's, that's all they're meant to actually be. But, you know, your goals and your visions is, I have goals and visions for this company, as you know, I have goals and visions personally, uh, you know, holidays, uh, family holidays, my children, uh, seeing them, you know, grow into the fine young men that they're turning into. It's, so goals are not just about money, but the key of about that money, if you're going to save money, you have to do it for a purpose. And that purpose has to have a vision. And that vision is what you get out of bed for to actually go and do. And the vision actually makes the small sacrifices today far easier to actually do. So to have a 30-year-old think about what's going to happen at age 65 is just like, you've got to be kidding, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> But it just seems like yesterday that I was 30 and I'm about to turn 50 and it's just like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah. You know? So where's that 20 years gone? How the hell do I have a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old now? You know, so it's, um, but the thing is, though, is that the vision is what gets me out of bed to actually achieve not having a dollar value in the bank, not having an extra zero or a comma uh, between a number and not just a decimal point. It's basically, it's a case of saying, I know what the vision is and I know what I want to achieve and I know what I want to do and I know the lifestyle, but I know what I have to sacrifice today to make sure that's done. And it's no longer a sacrifice when it's a vision and you're doing it. You know, going without those four chocolate bars a week is no longer a sacrifice when I know the ultimate goal is it's going to help me lose a couple of kilos around my girth. Yeah. All right, Tony. Um, Thank you very much for today. I think that's, we'll sort of wrap it up now, but um, don't know what we've got planned for next week, but keeping the year out and hopefully something exciting. Wonderful. Thank you, Jamie.